cults over here. Cults over there. There are cults everywhere. everywhere. And we're going to tell you all about it with a fairy tale twist. Welcome to Once Upon a Cult. Once upon a time, there was a lovely cheerleading squad who was like, hey, let's go practice in that dilapidated building. And they're like, yay, let's all cheer for this idea. And they all went into the building and were like, one, two, three. Ah, is that a dead body? (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like a really good horror movie. Yeah, it went out of the realm of fairy tale and into horror. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, my name's Sean. And I'm Rachel. And I'm Alan. And we're back, bitches. Woo! We, we are. Rachel's <laughs> silently <laughs> dancing. Well, I just wanted to check with you guys. Do you see how there's like no, my when I look at my thing, there's no squiggles. Do you see a squiggles on mine? We see squiggles. We see squiggles. Okay, I see it on yours, but not on mine. So I was like, okay. is it recording me? But if you oh. see them, then that's good, I'm sure. <laughs> I want to be heard. (laughs) (laughs) I'm keeping that in the episode so people know how you really are. They now know who you really are, Rachel. (laughs) I didn't ham it up just for that fact. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we took a sabbatical. We actually, should we just be honest? We had some uh, technical issues using new equipment, Uh and we had to scrap this whole episode last week. Yeah, we did lots of hard work, and it was all for nothing. <laughs> all <Yay>! for nothing. <laughs> then I deleted all of my notes immediately after we wrapped the episode. And so uh, for us to do this again, I'm like, okay, this is great. I don't retain anything in my brain. I just have to research it all again. <laughs> Yay! How fun for you. This is how much I love our listeners. The dedication is out of this world. See how we didn't factor in it was just for our listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Whoopsies. Well, today we are here to talk to you about the Odd Fellows Colties. This is one actually uh, Rachel came across with her friends, and Alan and I came across this with each other. (laughs) Rachel got very excited by this and was like, we need to do an episode on this weird thing we've all found separately. Yeah, though so I wouldn't have found was, it if it weren't for you. You guys recommended that I go to that place. And it was amazing, right? It was so good. I was a VIP. Oh, <laughs> so you hid in the tunnel. What in the tunnel? <laughs> basement. And the so, basement. <laughs> this was, uh, we're referring to Zach Bagan's um, Haunted Tour, which is in Las Vegas. Uh, the first time I went to Vegas with Alan in April Someone was a little scared to go through the maze, Ooh. but uh, luckily I coerced him to go through it in what, October? Uh, October, November-ish. Yeah, one of those yeah. months. And yeah, Oddfellows was one of the um, displays. Yeah. Yes. I've been shamed since uh, since then, between April and October. <laughs> Sean would always remind me every single day. Repeatedly mm-hmm. shamed. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> So, Rachel, you're the one who got so excited by this and wanted to do this episode. What was it about the display that got your nipples hard? You know, there's something about a mechanical goat that just <laughs> just excites a girl. <laughs> I have to know more. It reminds me of high school 
when you and our best friend Stephanie purchased a blow-up goat for me. <laughs> Wasn't it a sheep? A blow-up sheep? Oh, a sheep. It was, oh, a, sheep. It was a sheep. <laughs> and it had a red bow in its hair to really, you know, gussy make her, her up. Make her sexy. <laughs> you had to make her extra sexy. <laughs> My mom was very confused by me in high school. <laughs> Just in high school? Yeah, right. <laughs> Why do you have this blow-up <laughs> You know, things. <laughs> For reasons. You know, that For was the reasons. time. That was the time when you did a lot of gift shopping at Spencer's. It was just the coolest place <laughs> to go get gifts for people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. But enough about Spencer's. Let's get into our show. <laughs> yes. So we're talking about the Odd Fellows, which have a very mysterious history. And by mysterious, I mean like they have really no idea how it all started. And so there's lots of different proposed histories and ideas. There's one that claims that they go all the way back to Roman times and the Emperor Nero. Another even claims it goes back to Moses. And uh, I think it was actually an odd fellow site that I was reading this on. And they're like, we don't really think there's anything about this that is true, but some of our chapters claim this. Um, But the most likely beginning came from medieval guilds. Uh, So that's back in Yoldi times um, when different guilds existed. They were associations of craftsmen and merchants, and together they would oversee a common craft or trade in a region. And the key privilege of being part of these guilds was that you were allowed to practice your craft. Um, But mostly there were a lot of restrictions, like you had to perform to standards. So it was almost like it was something that protected uh, people that were purchasing from you back in the day because they made sure that the quality was good. They um, had limitations on pricing, on the hours of trading. Oh yeah. And they also kept out women, immigrants, and non-Christians. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. just, oh yeah by the way by the <laughs> way uh yeah we we don't like any <laughs> diversity um, so a lot of the different guilds at this time were leather workers weavers bakers haberdashers uh and masons <laughs> and so we might more often nowadays hear about the freemasons and that started as a guild for masons Um, but sometimes there were groups of, you know, craftsmen that did not have a very popular trade or there wasn't a lot of them practicing. It's a smaller trade. So say that you specifically make springs for wagons. What part of a group will you be part of? That's when they all gathered together, all these different weird odds and ends of craftsmanship and became the Odd Fellows. Yay! How odd. How odd. Or, or the second possibility is the fact that this group of people, um, a lot of what they did was philanthropic and it was helping people below their station um, and kind of really crossing those boundaries of classes. Uh, that just might have made them weird people. Uh, so they're like, look at those odd fellows over there doing good for the world. How ridiculous of them. Yeah. It's kind of sad to go along with that. The rumor was that like them banding together and offering to help rebuild each other's 
barns or resow crops. People thought it was so odd. Why would they be helpful? <laughs> Who does that? Don't they have their own stuff to worry about? How odd. How unusual. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I just think it's sad that, like, it was so kind of cutthroat back then yeah. for, like, the lower class workers that it was odd to see people <laughs> helping each other. I just picture somebody like getting helped and they're like, screw you. You're weird. <laughs> don't help me. You're so weird. I don't want to be seen near you. No. <laughs> yeah. So numerous orders existed for a long time from the medieval times. Uh, but eventually in England, in 1748, we had our first earliest surviving documented evidence of an Oddfellow Lodge, and this was in the minutes of a meeting by the loyal Aristarchus Oddfellows Lodge number nine in England. Um, nine, so that, you say. Yeah, number nine. So we know that it had been around because there are at least eight other lodges <laughs> before this one. So, <laughs> but 1748 is that first kind of recorded moment of it. And we actually, in doing the history of this, we were a little bit more intrigued by the American side of things because Marca, yeah, I guess. Uh, Fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, but like, honestly, there's just so much history and so many kind of routes to track down what Oddfellows are. So we kind of ended up all together going down the route of what happened in America. So in uh, first in 1798 was when all of those Oddfellow Lodges came together in England and became the Grand United Order of Oddfellows or Gooof. Like one thing you'll definitely find out is that these guys are really good at their acronyms. Um, they're both good. Um, and then a little bit later in 1810, the important order came about, which was the Independent Order of Manchester Unity. And this is what kind of inspired our version of Oddfellows here in America because enter Thomas Wildy. Exactly. So, Thomas Wildley, born in London, England, on January 15th, 1782. And did you know that they celebrate Thomas Wildley Day? So we just missed Thomas Wildley Day. Wow. I had no idea. It's not like I've lived there on a student visa and would know things like this. (laughs) No, England doesn't celebrate it. The Oddfellows do. (laughs) Silly. England. We are gentlemen here. Um, No. (laughs) No, the Oddfellows celebrate Thomas Wilde like day. (laughs) And that was just on January 15th. So, I mean, if we had really good working uh, equipment, we might have been just in time for this blessed day, <laughs> but I unfortunately, feel like she's looking at me when she says that, and I feel like this is hate for the student visa comment. Oh, wow. What? Um, but anyways, he was born 1782. He was left an orphan five years later. Very sad. And oh, at the no. age of 14, he went to live with an uncle. I have no idea what he did between the age of five and 14. 
Who was he living with at that time? It's a mystery. <laughs> he went to the desert, like Jesus did. He went to the desert and for a bit longer. No record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that tracks. That tracks. <laughs> so I went to go live with his uncle, and after a good solid amount of time spent schooling, he became an apprentice, apprentice to a maker of coach springs. So that is a good trade to have, uh, but a small trade. I didn't know there were springs in coach bags. Can you (laughs) elaborate on that? (laughs) I was thinking of like, you know, coaches that use springs. (laughs) So we're talking like coaches, like coaches drawn by a horse. By horses, like yieldy, timey, uh, uh, what are those shocks? <laughs> you know, I really think Rachel's showing us what it looks like to ride in a coach. John, by a horse right now. Thank you for really I was trying to remember the word for shocks, and so I was bouncing oh. in a vehicle that needs like their shocks upgraded, <laughs> or like I'm in a coach. Yeah, so those things that gives you better riding in a coach, uh, those good old springs. Um, but obviously. A very niche uh, specialty, a very niche trade that he's working on. Um, so he became a part of the Oddfellows um, in 1804 upon reaching manhood at the age of 21. He became an Oddfellow. And he really was passionate about it. He loved it. But then he went to America in 1817. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> And, I mean, 1817 in America, that is a a hard place for a British man to go because you see the states were still a little bit upset about the War of 1812. They were like, oh, no, we don't like you. Um, And so he was lonely. And also there was a yellow fever epidemic and mass unemployment going on. Sounds sounds familiar. Like now. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're feeling lonely because of this pandemic, here's what you do. You're going to put an advert in the paper to find other friends. This is what you're going to do. It worked for Thomas Wildly. It can work for you too. Yeah, it's crazy because if – I remember, right? So there were odd fellows kind of around the U.S., but nothing very organized until he put this advertisement saying, like, be my friend, please. I have candy. (laughs) And then people were like, this sounds legit. I'm going to go be his friend. Yeah, because over time, there were a good hand of odd fellows that had gone over there, but um, none of them had really mobilized upon arrival. And actually, I even heard that there was a gathering of some up in New York. Uh, but this, where he was doing it, was down in Baltimore. And like they didn't even really know about each other at this time. And it took Wildly two attempts in the paper. He, he did one the day before Valentine's Day uh, on eight, in 1819 uh, because he was feeling really lonely. So <laughs> before Valentine's Day, he posted one. And then again on the 27th of March. And then finally, he got four other people to respond. And what was really important about that is that you need five people to form a quorum in order to have a group, an official Oddfellow group. So he needed So we need to find... Two more people for our podcast. 
We do, and then we can form a quorum. Oh, nice. Nice. A quorum? Should we buy an ad in the newspaper? <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> reading the newspapers. I think this is the best way forward. It makes sense. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So he ran that second ad on the 27th of March, and just under a month later, on the 26th of April, they all met together at the Seven Stars Tavern, and they instituted Washington Lodge number one. And that was Wildy, um, John Welch, John Duncan, John Cheatham, and Richard Rushworth. Very one nice. of those is not like the other. <laughs> Thank you. It's Richard. He didn't fit in. <laughs> Such a dick. I love dick. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things I found to kind of go along with this forming is it was also known as the Triple Lynx Fraternity, which was based on the symbols of friendship, truth, and love. Yeah. Yay. Rachel Singing <laughs> Yeah, I remember when we recorded this before, we had a very musical episode oh, because yeah. we said <laughs> tomorrow we went, Good morning, Baltimore. In that exact sure voice. Yeah. <laughs> everyone is really sad they missed out on that right now. <laughs> yeah, the last episode. Yeah. yeah, when I played it back, like it sounded fine when we tested, and then when I played it back, it was like yeah, and then they went. <laughs> <laughs> it was hideous. It was like old time dial up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh goodness! So now their group, and like honestly, they kind of got it going for a while in 1843, which is like over 20 years later. They then decided to change their name because they kind of shifted a little bit from some of the ideals of what was going on over in Manchester um, and that group that had organized there, they still took a lot of inspiration from them. Um, but rather than having to go back to this other group to get everything approved, they kind of wanted to start making their own version of it. And they became the independent order of odd fellows or I oof. I oof. I oof. I oof. <laughs> So this was the first fraternity in the United States to eventually include both men and women. Wow. Because, wow. yeah, only, what was it, eight years later in uh, 1851, by the initiative of Schuyler Colfax, who was the vice president of the United States at the time, they formed the beautiful Rebecca Degree. Actually, maybe he became vice president later. But anyways, a vice president was like, women, they're cool. We should let them join. I mean, not in the same group with us. Like, obviously, we don't want to mix too much. But let's make a branch for them. Good thing they didn't name themselves the Karens. <laughs> <laughs> they had good forethought. Yes. So this is very similar, and it's funny because as I've seen pictures of Oddfellows, as Rachel knows and is fondly remembering of, uh, I was part of Malay when I was a young lad. It was a teen organization to the Masonic Temple. The mm -hmm. how would you say it? the Masons, and um, they also had like the women's groups that went with it. Because only men could be in Malay or the Masons, but they also had like Job's daughters or Rainbow Girls. Rainbow <laughs> Girls. 
<laughs> and even the the black suits and white button down shirts and the blingy collars that they wore within the Masons is very reminiscent of the pictures I've seen of the Odd Fellows. Mm-hmm. All these fraternities were really into their, you know, uniforms and symbolism and relics, and it was a mm-hmm. big part of them. And Demolay, I remember, was very strict on. Like we had a lot of verbiage that we had to say during the meetings mm-hmm. and you weren't supposed to read out of your little book. But then this one guy came in from the YMCA and he's like, oh. this is too much for teenagers. They shouldn't have to memorize this. <laughs> <laughs> they should be able to read it. <laughs> they can't retain words. <laughs> so it's like a big deal that like he pushed for us to be able to read it. And then wow. like the Masons were mad, but it got passed. How- how did you not memorize it after reciting it every week? I mean, I'm sure Alan can attest to this being part of the Catholic Church. You just memorized <laughs> that shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, there were different posts. There was like the Deacon of the East West. There was the I don't remember all the titles now, but like they each had their own verbiage they had to say. Ah, mm-hmm. interesting. Well, like they're into their rituals and some people are really uptight about it they want it to be a whole performance and some people are like more chill yeah it's read fun right hey, <laughs> yeah fun. we're to help other people <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so at the time that wildly died in 1861 there were more than 200,000 odd fellows across the u.s however oh. However, in uh, 19, or 1861, uh, that is also when the American Civil War started and went to 1865, and that saw a sharp decline in membership, especially in the South. People didn't have the money to put towards the money or the time, and like places are being burned down. <laughs> like, it was just, it was a mess. Uh, so it, <laughs> it took a little bit of a decline. Um, but after the Civil War, there was something that everyone could get together to go against, and that was the beginning of industrialism. Uh-oh. No one. No one wants this. No one wants unskilled labor and and bad working conditions and being part of a a line of machines. So they gathered together. It really strengthened them in like it strengthened their purpose in wanting to be an organization that gives back to people, that takes care of people. Um, and so it really shot up from there and the lodges rallied and over the next half century that became known as the golden age of fraternalism in America. So it wasn't just the odd fellows out here doing their secret handshakes and hip bumps. Um, It was everyone. The Masons were big. Uh, There were a ton of different fraternities that were there. They were doing good works and Oddfellows itself was actually the largest organization at that time, bigger than the Freemasons, which is interesting because nowadays, if you ask most people, hey, do you know the Oddfellows? And they're like, huh? But if you say, hey, you know the Freemasons, they've heard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The Freemasons are big. (laughs) Yeah. Around this time, like 40% of the adult population in the U.S. was involved in any of these like fraternal orders. So like 
if you're not part of it, you're not cool. Well, yeah. and they were advertising. They had mm-hmm. commercials that I came across <laughs> of like it got really windy and everybody was getting blown <laughs> to and fro. But then the odd fellows can save you from this wind. The odd fellows are, and they had this very like uh, Twilight Zone esque voice. Like, are you working hard? <laughs> Do you, are you looking for people to connect with? And oh, I everything am. was voiceovery because there was no sound yet in pictures. So like. Even even when a guy was giving a speech, somebody had to dub the voice over him. So mm-hmm. it was a watch. Did, were they were they like would then flash to just like a slide that says the words he was saying in quotes? I I don't think they did that. <laughs> I don't remember though. I think they just had the voiceover. That was before there was talky sounds. Yeah. <laughs> they were like. Here's the thing. Um, but I, I like the idea that they'll protect me from the wind because I don't know if you know this, but I hate the wind. <laughs> so do I. There, oh, We'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> hates the wind. Join us for our Patreon. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, but, yeah, like everyone was taking part in them and – I think one thing that was really interesting is that the in evangelicals were really against the idea of these fraternal organizations. They kind of saw their secrecy and the fact that they did these rituals and stuff as a really negative thing and not very Christian thing. But really there was no, um, at this point there was no religion associated uh, with them whatsoever they were welcoming of all creeds no limitations on religion like everyone's equal um <clears throat> unless you're black um that's coming soon <laughs> it'll be resolved soon <laughs> 50 years later in the 70s <laughs> anyways uh oh yeah i hopped ahead i I guess now this is almost 100 years later. But anyways, because the golden age was 1896. Um, Oddfellows were huge. But then their next challenge came in the form of the Great Depression. So 1920s, once again, members are unable to pay their dues. They're unable to afford it. But in addition to that, uh, what we saw was Franklin Delano Roosevelt's new Deal. And the whole thing about this is it was creating social programs. And that's what they were made for. That's what the Odd Fellows were formed to do was to help people through community to provide for those um, that needed assistance. And so this was the first time that kind of showed up on a national level available through the government. And so it kind of made them a little bit redundant at the time. And FDR, he was he was an odd fellow as well too, right? So he probably got that idea from, you know, the the philosophies that the 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 Mason yeah. group believed. Yeah, in. I think so. I mean, that's likely a big part of him being a part of them. Is this something he deeply believed in? And I don't mm-hmm. think there was any plan on the government's part to like make these things redundant. But it's just when something steps up and another thing is no longer needed, unfortunately, it dwindles. Yeah, it's interesting how he brought his beliefs to the masses and made <laughs> the odd fellows not needed. <laughs> womp, womp. womp womp. So now, luckily, 50 years later, 1971, the 
IOF changed its constitution and said, you know what? You don't have to be white only to be part of this club. Everyone can join. That's like in Book of Mormon where in one of their songs they said, and in the 1970s, God stopped hating blacks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow. I guess there was something going around at that time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a, a civil rights movement or something. <laughs> something. <laughs> well, Any, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, and I was going to say, um, then kind of one of the other last biggest updates of their history is then that in 2001, the IOOF voted to allow women to join the Odd Fellows itself. So as Ooh. I mentioned earlier, they had the daughters of Rebecca um, that were there for women to join, but you could not be a woman in the main uh, Odd Fellows branch. You had to be in this women branch, which also allowed men in it. So it was like you could be a man in the Oddfellows and in the Daughters of Rebecca, it was mostly made to accommodate women, but men could also be a part of it. In 2001, because they're really, they're really ahead of themselves, they said, <laughs> I guess women can join too. Wow. Well, that's about <laughs> time. That's different from the Masons though, because I think to this day, women can't be part yeah. of the Masons. So. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. bros like their fraternities. Yeah. They're secret so, handshakes. You did a very good job of doing the history here because I kind of, yes. I'm going to be honest, I kind of got lost. There's a lot. I didn't know what to focus <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. But I went I, down a rabbit hole, Rachel. Tell me the rabbit hole. Take me down with you. Picture this, if you will. <laughs> In 2001, Paul Wallace goes into an empty building that has an overloaded circuit. He's oh. repairing it. Suddenly, mm. the wall falls away in front of him. Ooh. And in a space between the walls, he sees a light shine on a skeleton face. <laughs> he said he felt like it was a scene from like a Dracula movie. This oh, body. No. <laughs> so, and this, I guess, is something that's been happening because a lot of the Oddfellow spaces are just old buildings now that are rarely used. So, when he was fixing it, he found a skeleton. He said that he stood there staring at it for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> just just looking at it in those eye sockets. Yep. <laughs> connecting, feeling, feeling deeply. <laughs> realizing he's mortal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I and mean, when they uh, exhumed the skeleton and studied it, they found that there was, like, dirt and particles on it. So they're pretty sure the person was already dead. So they're pretty sure that it was um, – unearthed from a grave and put into this building and apparently there's this belief that you have to have a skeleton in your building as like what alan hinted at a sign of mortality mm-hmm. you have to know about your death and that yeah. it's coming i mean you can't just get like one of those foam graves from like <laughs> <laughs> the halloween store <laughs> put that somewhere uh no no, no? Okay. Uh, real life skeleton plastic will not do styrofoam will not do (laughs) give me a human bones yep and in 2004 in houston texas a cheerleading squad was using an oof building for practices (laughs) as they entered they found old rituals they found robes they found papers with 
writings on them and all this stuff from Odd Fellows, along with three coffins. <laughs> so they uh, unearthed the first coffin or un- took the lid off, and it was a fake skeleton. Oh, okay. So they took the next lid off, and it was <gasps> a fake skeleton. Oh. oh, okay, okay. And then they took the third one off. <clears throat> And it was a real skeleton. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, like, choked myself on my uvula. <laughs> you were so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, and apparently this has happened in uh, multiple places, including Missouri, India, or Indiana. Oh. <laughs> Indiana, <laughs> uh, Pennsylvania, Nebraska, and Oklahoma. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, and um, in 2001, I believe that's when the, the electrician guy unearthed his skeleton, LA Times picked it up. So they're the ones that kind of like help um, kind of expand the story and kind of cause a witch hunt, I guess you could say, uh, amongst the population, just just like making people intrigued about this group and like wondering like what exactly are like, with stories of like, oh, are, do they murder people or like what is this mm-hmm. Odd Fellows group? So, yeah, um, it, that's kind of around the time where media kind of brought, attacked, attacked yeah. it. Yeah, attacked yeah. it. But then it probably also made people intrigued. Yeah. I mean, that's the same yeah. that they're like, I guess we'll let women join. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we need more members. Everybody's leaving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to say though, if they were murdering people, this is the biggest, best cover up ever. Because yeah. there's like no evidence anywhere that they've ever murdered someone. So it half makes the me time, to believe they haven't. Half the time they use fake bones. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> is this a real murder this time? I don't know. <laughs> I wonder if it was like a game. They would like <laughs> Move the skeletons around and be like, okay, Joe, which one's the real one? I mean, you got to have a ritual. You got to have a ritual. <laughs> yeah. So um, one thing that uh, you can go and you can check out their website now, and they're very open about their beliefs and what they're looking to do. Um, I like, I found they had these tenants that they say they are the purposes that they are dedicated to, which involves improving and elevating the character of mankind by promoting the principles of friendship, love, truth, (laughs) faith, hope, charity, and universal justice. Um, Then they also want to make the world a better place to live by aiding each other, the community, the less fortunate, the youth, the elderly, the environment, and the community in every way possible. That seemed a little redundant. I'm pretty sure they said the community twice, but it's so good. That's most important. We say it twice because it's so important. And then lastly, to promote goodwill and harmony in harmony. Sorry. (laughs) That was one of our musical numbers last time. And I just remembered amongst peoples and nations through the principle of universal fraternity, holding the belief that all men and women, regardless of race, nationality, religion, social status, gender, rank, and station are brothers and sisters. So I'm really glad they, in 71 and 2001, made some of those adjustments because otherwise I would have been confused about that last one. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can't say you believe you're all like brothers and sisters, but you can't be part of our club. But we are brothers and sisters. But no, you're not allowed. (laughs) So it's good that they uh, updated that aspect. Um, 
But yeah, you mentioned the chains. Did you want to talk a little bit about the symbolism sort of that we see a lot? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? I think Alan talked about it last time, the three chain link. Oh yeah, the three chain links (laughs) that you'll find throughout a lot of their like logos and um, crests, I guess you can say. Um, which, yeah, goes back to those three um, pillars, the freedom, truth, and love. Yeah. That's barely a jingle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, like, that's one of the things, like, it's the symbolism that you can recognize that has to do with them. Because the same way that if you go and you see on buildings or in graveyards uh, for the Masons, you see that, is it a protractor? I don't know oh, what yeah, that a is. Protractor with the G. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, like that's really what kind of symbolizes the Odd Fellows is the chain links that are mm-hmm. together, um, standing for their tenets. Um, so, I mean, you have to have all your secret things. So, speaking of secrets, should we talk about the goat in the room? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we should talk about the goat in the room. <laughs> <laughs> So this was the thing, obviously, that got my attention, and I sh- it got your guys' attention, too. Okay. Um, I, but I immediately was like, I need to talk to you about this. It's a thing we have to look at. Um, so, <laughs> riding the goat in 1845, a supposed expelled and anonymous odd fellow published a book- booklet called Odd Fellowship Exposed, where the writer describes a horrific and probably inaccurate initiation ceremony. In this ceremony, a voice cries out, Prepare the goat! And when a large black and white goat steps into the hall, the new initiate is told to mount it. After doing this and grabbing the animal's large horns, the new initiate is thrown from the goat and lands on the floor on his back, hearing laughter all around. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, as I mentioned, this kind of came out in this packet. It was anonymous And there are a lot of people that think it likely wasn't someone that had been ousted from the Odd Fellows. They think that it's more likely that this was some of the evangelical critics getting together to try and shine a bad light on these fraternal societies who looked as these secret rituals and thought they were obscene and offensive. But the cool fraternities were like, they kind of... They kind of thought, that's kind of funny. (laughs) That's funny. Um, And so although there wasn't originally a goat thing happening, um, it kind of became a thing where as new people would join, they'd be like, oh, are you ready to ride the goat? (laughs) Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, ha, 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 lots of jokes. And eventually there kind of did become the desire to have a sort of initiation ritual that poked fun of this. And so that was when the DeMoulin brothers and company of Greenville, Illinois created the mechanical goat. <laughs> it was a fabulous beast. <laughs> it, it still is. It's it, mechanical. It actually, in the beginning, it had real horns on it. Um, and then it has like all these extra like clangy, noise making sounds because it was all about kind of the boisterousness and like 
doing some, making the person, the new initiate do something ridiculous. Um, but eventually they changed from real horns to fake horns that they cast in resin because apparently Greenville, Illinois started smelling like foul putrid death because of all the horns that were just being shipped in to the city. And they were like, Oh no, we need to stop that. And I will say in researching this, I found that the odd fellows attitude toward this is so drastically different from other groups like the Masons. Uh, I watched a podcast where two Masons were talking with an odd fellow and kind of sharing about some of their um, history and some of the rituals. And they got to talking about the goat and whereas the odd fellow was like, yeah, it's kind of become this inside joke. It's kind of laughed about like, and he even has like a tattoo of a goat and he knows lots of different odd fellows that like get tattoos or like, they just kind of celebrate the idea of the goat in many ways. Whereas the, the Masons that he were taught was talking to were so deeply offended by the idea <laughs> that anyone would ride a mechanical goat. It's just utter ridiculousness. And yeah, I found that such a strange, different attitude between the two. Because come on, you guys, it's a goat. What? (laughs) I feel like if you're going to get that bothered by it, of course you're going to draw attention to it because it's awkward and it's funny. We're going to laugh at you. (laughs) Yeah. It's like if you're going to have secret rituals, then people are going to make up stuff about it. (laughs) Yeah. And people do make up stuff with both of these groups, the Masons and the Oddfellows. Mm-hmm. Like murder, most foul. Murder, the most foul. And the Masons helped Jack the Ripper with his Yes, killings. definitely oh. they did. That's what you get for being secretive. We make up stuff about you. Yeah. Well, if you want your own odd, <laughs> official Oddfellow goat, there's actually, well, actually it looks like someone already won it but on Sotheby's 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 the famous um, auction Auction. site um, there is one um, (gasps) on lot 30 um, and it went for between 5,000 and 8,000 US dollars that is you guys (laughs) hop on our Patreon (laughs) (laughs) and we will buy a mechanical goat. Yes. We will. And we will ride it in video for you. Yeah. We will. And we'll do it naked. <laughs> if you donate enough, then we will travel to you and have an initiation ceremony with you. Rachel will do that naked too. I will. We're going to have some I very know, odd patrons. I am now a sex worker. <laughs> And our OnlyFans is no kidding. <laughs> We're gonna have somebody like really awkward like call in and be like, um, I was promised a naked Rachel and I don't see that in the benefits. <laughs> wow. Oops. <laughs> That's a special, special benefit. You have to get some special arrangements for that. Speaking um, of a naked Rachel, uh, did ooh. you know REM has a song about odd fellows? What? I yes. mean, I didn't know two weeks ago, but <laughs> I don't know. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> um, so apparently Michael Stipe, that's the name, right? Michael Stipe from R.E.M.? Yes. Mm-hmm. He lived uh, not far from Oddfellows Local 151, and he wrote a song about it. But I guess it was less about Oddfellows and more about an old building that people lived 
at this lodge. And at one point it said something about Pee-wee. And I was like, (laughs) was Paul Rubens there? (laughs) (laughs) But it is not Paul Rubens Pee-wee. It was an actual guy named Pee-wee. I mean, it's a common name. It is, just like Popeye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they do show up in pop culture. Like, not as much as Freemasons, but... They have spots that they come around. Yeah, actually, I went down this other rabbit hole where I found a lot of bands sing. A lot of bands I didn't know, I guess I should say. And I know a lot of music. But no. a lot of bands I haven't heard of do have songs about, like, Oddfellows. Nice. Yeah. Like, they inspire freedom, truth, and love. How can they what not be inspired? Beauty? <laughs> have you seen the goat <laughs> oh goodness um so one of the other fun things uh i found really intriguing about them um so in general they do have different levels of degrees that you kind of go through and a lot of the different degrees go through the different tenants like you start initiatory then you're in a friendship degree a brotherly love degree, and then a truth degree. And then later on you go up into this encampment level where it's part of the patriarchal faith degree, the golden rule hope degree, and the royal purple charity degree. So really all the things they teach about, you go through these degrees. But my most favorite little offshoot that I found out about It's called the Ancient Mystic Order of Samaritans, or Amos. (laughs) That's not a bad one. (laughs) They did way better with that one. (laughs) And it's an unofficial appendant body to the Ayuf. And it is kind of recognized as the playground for Odd Fellowship by the Sovereign Grand Lodge. And it's known for engaging in public and private hijinks and spectacle, all in the name of good, clean fun. Yay! (laughs) Yay! Though, I will say, it is only open to male oddfellows in good standing over the age of 21. So you have to be a man, or a man to be a part of Amos. <laughs> I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> so you you can join, uh, but for me, I would have to join the ladies of the Orient, also known as Loto, um, which is only open <laughs> to women, but has the kind of same sort of vibe going on. And in reality, a lot of times the two organizations meet at the exact same time together and share in social events together. So it's like they're kind of, I mean, they go to the same meetings and everything. So they're basically doing the same thing, but they like to call them different things. Um, But aside from enjoying hijinks and spectacle, um, also one of my favorite things is that they do these rituals and initiations where it really has this Middle Eastern theme and the official regalia of this group it's a fez. So if you join them, you get to wear a fez. Yay. While doing hijinks. Ah, <laughs> ah, <they are> gentlemen. <laughs> so this very much reminded me of another group that we talked about, Rachel. Oh. The Hellfire Club. <laughs> yes. I think some of you might be able to hear about that if you become Patreons. 
Yeah. So while I had COVID <laughs> and was locked <laughs> in a room in San Francisco of all places, I live in SoCal, by the way, uh, <laughs> during Christmas, Rachel and I recorded the history of the Hellfire Club. It started off as a, a look at the fake <laughs> Hellfire Club from the X-Men, but it led down this rabbit hole of the actual Hellfire Club that the X-Men Hellfire Club was based on. Yeah. Because you know how we love digging into history. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was a really interesting look at both groups, the imaginary and the real. And I thought we did a good job of uh, covering both. Yeah. So so join us. Join us. Join us. Also on Patreon, you could find things like our Gadgetology episode, which is still mm-hmm. one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, you can find uh, some older ones, like we had an interview with an ex-cult member. We also went into the history of the Millerites, which inspired a lot of our season one cults that we talked about with Victoria when she was on the show. And we also have our extended episodes, like this one where in the post-credits, we're like a Marvel movie now, (laughs) we're going to talk about what we've been up to for this last month and a half. (laughs) Yeah, because a lot has happened. (laughs) Yeah, and all of that you can get, all the listening you can get for as low as a dollar a month, but then there's other tiers where you can tier up if you want things sent to you or if you want to have input in the show or if you want to see Rachel naked riding a goat. <laughs> There's so many good things, you guys. How can you yes. resist? <laughs> so should we talk about if we consider this a cult or not? I think we should. All right. So first off, charismatic leader. So I think there's lots of charismatic people involved. And obviously, when our specific IUF was started, Thomas Wilde was super charismatic. He put that advert in the paper. Uh, But overall, I don't think they have like a single solitary leader that everyone is listening to and bending over for. Yeah. How about uh, alienation? What do you think, Helen? Helen? I don't think so. I mean, they were, well, obviously in the beginning when it was just a he-man, woman-hater society, but (laughs) after that... um, they definitely are open to anyone joining. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I don't think there's any of that. Hey, that was the name of the group in The Little Rascal. Exactly. <laughs> uh, belief system, I, it seems like they're more of just a group getting together to help one another. Mm-hmm. It really seems like the perfect amalgamation of religious freedom and just practicality. So I don't think there's anything that was being forced on anybody to believe in this group. Yeah, it's definitely, as opposed to, like, some weird, strange religious beliefs, their beliefs are more about, like, upholding ideals that are we can all agree are good ideals. <laughs> yeah. How about uh, outside evil? I don't see any outside evil here, except for maybe those Freemasons that don't have any fun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I think we've talked about this a lot, sense of community. They definitely were a very community-driven group. Yeah. Overflowing. So much they put it twice in one of their (laughs) (laughs) And how odd that they would help each other. How odd. (laughs) So, yeah, like on the scale of one through cult, like this is very low. Like they just seem like they were just a well-rounded group who happened to have real skeletons in their closets. (laughs) (laughs) 
know. <laughs> it happens. That's like the only ding against them is like, that's a little weird. Like, you don't go digging yeah. up skeletons and put um, them in the pantry. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I guess there is a lot that we don't know about their rituals. Um, like, I could find stuff about the goat, and I know that they have rituals, but I haven't found a lot of information on what those are. And to me, I think. You could say rituals and think it's something like kind of creepy and big, but to me that's more like organized meetings <laughs> where people sometimes recite things together and maybe you all have swords that you hold aloft in the air. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because in Demolay we had our rituals, which like you said, they were just you know teenage boys getting dressed up in a shirt and tie and going into a room and being bored out of our minds for like an hour as we recite all this ritual and talk about like events coming up. Like it was not very exciting. (laughs) Only that one time where the teenage boys dressed up like girls and put on a a talent show, that that ritual was good. (laughs) It's not wrong. (laughs) For a fundraiser, we dressed as the Spice Girls. I was baby Spice. Okay. It's beautiful in my aunt's dress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. <laughs> you're and you can find that picture on Patreon. Actually, <laughs> you can find it on uh, my Instagram. I actually found it and I posted it on there. Amazing. A little teenage Sean in a dress and wig. Um, I'm really excited because I watched through a series called Deadly Colts, and there was one called Palo My Ombre. Hmm. I immediately, like, I saw Rachel the next day. I was like, Rachel, you have to hear about, like, some people get excited because they got a new haircut or new clothes. But I want to tell Rachel about the new deadly cult I found. You know what's important. I do. So this one, this is going to be your next episode in two weeks. This group, there needs to be a movie made out of this group. There's so much to it. Uh, It was a... Mexico-based group who there was sacrifice involved, like a cauldron with body parts in it. There's Someone a, luring people across the border. Yeah, an American student going into Mexico and becoming a witch and luring people to their deaths. Like it's, I'm excited to talk about it with, yeah. Glorious. Glorious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I got a new haircut. So those of you who are on our Patreon, stick around for our after banter. And uh, those of you who are not, you're missing out. And we'll see you in two weeks for the Palo Mayombre. Uh, And should we tell them where to find us? Yeah, I was going to get to that (laughs) before we signed up. (laughs) Where can we find you, dear? Oh, well, you can. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so you can find me on A Real Bodice Ripper, a really awesome podcast where we like to rip apart romance novels and talk about sexy things. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, you can find me and mm. Sean. Oh. oh, I know where he is right now. <laughs> I don't know if you can say that on our podcast, but um, yeah, you can find us on Marvelous Galaxy of Disney, where we talk about everything Disney, Disney Parks, Marvel, uh, Star Wars, just anything under the Disney umbrella. Yeah, this week, uh, you're not going to be happy, Rachel. I'm not going to tell you why, but apparently we may get a new actor stepping in as an alternate universe Iron Man. 
So okay. wait until you hear who this actor <laughs> is, but you'll have to listen to her episode out today to find yeah. out. Huh. Along with other new news. I'm <laughs> really stressed out. Yeah, two Marvel shows got postponed. Yeah. We have information on the new Lunar New Year, which was really great. Yeah, we tried out some of the foods. We tailed or failed it. Yeah, and we didn't have to wait in a huge long line at all. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> And then um, I'm also on Hanging with the Hollowells, which last week was our very last episode of season seven. So we're on a break until February. But if you're jonesing for somebody to talk about (laughs) the 1994 The Swan Princess. Uh, I mean, I think about it every day except for the fact (laughs) that I have not seen it. Wow. Well, I now own it. Good, good, good. So you can hear Kevin and I talk about that. In February, we will be starting the last season, season eight of the original Charmed from the 90s, which will be fun. Um, Beyond that, you could find me on Fours A Crowd, where I voice Bradley on a queer uh, sitcom a podcast queer sitcom <laughs> and if you're looking for a patreon you can find that on patreon.com forward slash once upon a cult all of these things we just mentioned you can also link to through our instagrams oh yeah uh, yeah all right thank you for listening and we'll see you in two weeks bye bye, bye.